Well, here we are. It is the first Sunday of a new year, and it is time to begin again. How many of you would say that you're good at beginning things again? Okay, I've got one in the back, couple, couple here again. And by that, I mean that you are perhaps good at starting fresh at things. You're good at putting the past behind you and jumping into something new with fresh energy and fresh enthusiasm, perhaps. You're good at being able to take a look at a brand new set of things before you without letting the past overly determine the future that's ahead of you. How many of you have ever been in a situation in your lives where you really had to begin again? That is, where you really had to start from scratch and figure big things out from square one. Where some major piece of your life perhaps had an unexpected, maybe unwelcome end. Beginning can be difficult in its own right, you know, but but having begun once already and then having to begin again, well, that can come with different sorts of challenges. Because a new year always puts in front of us some degree of beginning again, I want to take this opportunity over the course of this next stretch of time between now and the beginning of Lent to look more closely with you at this topic and theme. You know, with each new year on our calendar, the lectionary calendar, the calendar of readings that gives us our scriptures for Sunday mornings that if we read through it daily, would get us through the whole Bible in, in a three-year stretch of time. With the start of a new year, we also begin a new gospel. This year, it's the beginning of year B, which means it's the gospel of Mark that we're beginning again with. And you know, each one of our four gospels takes great care in setting the stage for just how they're going to begin. And they put a, a great deal of energy into helping us see from different angles just where the gospel, the good news, took its start. Matthew's gospel, for example, begins with a genealogy that, that takes us all the way back to, to Abraham and then leads us through King David and then to the exile and back again and all the way up to Mary and Joseph. And that is to help us see that, that this story that's about to begin is really a continuation of that story that begins all the way back in the Old Testament. And that this new beginnings comes as part of that long, long history of trying and trying and trying again to begin and to begin and to begin again. Luke's Gospel has us begin in the reign of King Herod with a deeper look at those events around both John the Baptizer and Jesus' birth. For that Gospel's beginning, it's important for Luke that we see these events within their broader world historical context. It's important that we know that this beginning took place in complicated times, in unexpected times, and that the true King and Messiah came to us under harsh and adverse circumstances. John's Gospel by contrast, takes us all the way back. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, it says. John takes us back to the beginning because he needs us to see Jesus' beginnings among us in its full cosmic context. 
Big things are happening here, John wants us to know. Creation itself is beginning again. Light is shining into primordial darkness to give birth to new and unexpected life. And then we come in this year's Gospel to Mark. And I'm convinced that as brief and as terse as Mark's beginning is, that it too includes a lot of care and deliberate setting of the stage in its own particular way to say something about beginnings. To say something about where this good news begins and about where we begin and how we begin again once we've already begun. That's mainly why I want to do this series that I'm going to be doing over these next several weeks because I'm convinced that it has something important and relevant to say to us about beginnings. And over the course of these few weeks, I want to tease out with you how the many new beginnings that it's going to describe for us in this first chapter as taking place here at the beginning of the Gospel sets the stage for something new. Something previously unimaginable. Something grace-filled and life-giving to take place. Let's do some counting here together this morning. As you think back over that Scripture we just heard from Mark's Gospel, how many times do you detect in there that, that it speaks to some new sort of beginning? How many, how many would you say? How many do you remember, if you remember it at all? Well, I count three or four. First, there's the very first word in the Gospel of Mark itself, which is the beginning. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, which helps us to set our coordinates about where this story, where this account about God's work and the good news is about to begin. And where does Mark begin? He begins with a prophecy. A quote from the Old Testament. Three quotes strung together, really. A messenger is coming to prepare the way. The voice is crying out in the wilderness and his job is to, quote, prepare the way of the Lord. Which is where we immediately pick up with John the Baptist's ministry. Secondly, there is a beginning for John's ministry of baptizing itself in the Jordan for repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. And there's a beginning perhaps for all of those who came out to him as well. Repentance and forgiveness. Now there's a beginning. And crucially, the other part of John's ministry here is the part about his announcement. Someone is coming after me who is greater than me and whose baptism is greater than mine. That's the part of his ministry, Mark wants us to see, that fulfills his scriptural purpose of being that messenger who announces and prepares the way for one who is still to come. That plays an important role, in other words, in the Messiah, in the Savior, setting, getting started in His beginnings. So there's a literary beginning, you might say. There's a vocational beginning for John the Baptist. And there's also a vocational beginning for Jesus here in this reading for today with, with His baptism. But of course, more than just a vocational beginning because it's also something of a spiritual and theological beginning. Words are being said there, spoken from heaven about who this Jesus really is, in fact. 
A scene is being made with all kinds of highly symbolic elements in it. Clouds opening up. Doves descending to express something to us that we need to see. You know, Mark introduces Jesus to us at His baptism. That's different from all three other Gospels. And it seems significant, doesn't it? It seems like there must be something intentional about that, that. That this beginning would be the Gospel's point of departure for Jesus. What do you think that all of this might have to say to us about about beginnings and beginnings again. I think one thing it certainly says is that we should take great care and great attention with beginnings. They shouldn't be approached too casually, especially the serious ones, because beginnings set so much of the tone for all that comes after. Consider here at the beginning of Mark's Gospel all the care and all the preparation to ensure that Jesus' beginnings among us is just exactly what it should be. You've got John out there priming the people's hearts and attentions and preparing them with that negative confession of Him. I'm not the one, but the one is soon to come after me. You've got the great care that the Gospel writer takes to prepare his readers to see that in these events, God's plans and intentions for the world are unfolding. The messenger has arrived. The way is being prepared. The voice is calling out. You've got the baptism scene of Jesus there as well, which introduces Him and claims Him as the Beloved in just that perfect sort of way that that not only says but visually shows His enfoldedness within God's life and mission. Here is Jesus in Mark's Gospel who has had the red carpet rolled out in front of His ministry. Here is a Jesus whose beginnings and whose baptism especially sends Him forth into all that lies ahead in full solidarity with God and in full communion with God. That, I think Mark wants to wants us all to see is a good beginning. A blessed, nurtured, planned for, paced out, fully aware and fully connected with God sort of beginning. If only all beginnings could be so perfectly executed. Sybil got a board game for Christmas this year. It's a board game of Tetris. I don't know if you've ever played Tetris before, but But this version of Tetris uh, sets us up around a table and everybody gets a a clear uh, little board that you stand up vertically. You put it into a stand and then uh, there are all these little pieces and and one by one you take the the, the cards that go at the center of the table and each one tells you what piece to put in next. And so it becomes a a kind of a competition between who can make the the best Tetris board. And and one of the things about about this game is that you know you get going and you get more points as you go along by who can make the, the, the most lines and who can get bonus points and all of that. But if someone were to accidentally move their hand in the wrong way sometime in the beginning of the game, it turns out that, that this whole board that's standing upright falls apart. And all the pieces fall out of the bottom. So you have to start over because there's no picking up the pieces. There's no, there's no figuring out where you were and getting back to the end of that game. You've got to begin again. 
and everybody else has to begin again. Only now with this new beginning, everyone around the table is frustrated and annoyed. How then to begin again? And I'm sure all of us can call to mind new beginnings that have come with those sorts of deeper frustrations and deeper challenges than that. I included it in my lectionary readings for this morning, the reading from Acts, because it relates a story about baptism, not as a beginning this time, but in Acts as a beginning again, you might say. These disciples that Paul came across in Ephesus had been baptized by John the Baptist already, but that's not the baptism of the Great Commission, so they they have to be baptized again with a baptism of the Holy Spirit, it says, a Christian baptism in other words. Acts is sort of a strange little book of the Bible, uh, you know, because uh, because sometimes it it puts us in a very strange point in history where Pentecost is still unfolding and the realities of this community's life before the resurrection are still catching up to where the gospel is. It's a book that we treat somewhat carefully and how much we understand it to to norm our practice of baptism, especially because it's because of the unique moment in time that Acts describes. But nevertheless, it does hold baptism out as a beginning again. Unlike with Jesus in Mark, whose baptism is the beginning, for these disciples, it's a beginning again. They're being invited into something new and different, and after having walked that road for some while already. And their baptism is a place to start because as with Jesus' own baptism, in it's their place of encounter. Their place of embrace. Their place of meeting and being enfolded by the God of life for the start of something new. People of God, as you consider your beginnings as well as your beginnings again this year, know that the truest and most productive and most fruitful beginnings of all begin in the embrace of God and all of God's people said. Amen.